Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, that right there, Mark Immelman. He is donning his traditional Sunday black on black on black. Good to see you, Mark. It's good to be here. Uh, what a fun day. Uh, look, I, to be out there with Tony, he's one of the great guys. Covered him for two days. He and Tom Hoagie, they're both awesome and a whole lot of fun. But, but you know, I just watched one or two clips on Twitter from our show. And to watch the interaction <laughs> between Nick Faldo and Jim Nance at the top of the show when they do the whole spiel, you know, and and Nick goes, well, you know, the only excitement I can give you is Tony Finau's going to win. And he goes like this. And Jim goes, what? <laughs> and lo and behold, Nick Stradamus was correct. Uh, well, that would be exciting. And it was exciting. We'll talk about how that all went down. Greg will be with us uh, here in just a few minutes. He called me. He'll said he'll be here in like three or four minutes. So uh, we'll keep, we'll keep an eye out for Greg. In the meantime, I will remind everyone to go ahead and vote for us as the best sports podcast in the people's choice podcast awards. I believe we are the only golf podcast available. We need all the help we can get to go up against the big boys of football and basketball and every other sport that you listen to in podcast form. So here's what you do. You go down into the description, you find the link you go down to the sports category and you vote for the first cut golf podcast. There is also a QR code. If you're watching on YouTube, or if you want to type it in yourself, the URL is podcastawards.com forward slash app forward slash sign up. That would be very much appreciated. And we'll see how far we can go. Whew. Mark, what is it about TPC twin cities that just creates all the drama down the stretch? Water, bro. <laughs> Jeez, there's water everywhere. We're in the land of 10,000 lakes. Um, and everywhere you turn, it seems like there's a pond or a water hazard. And they're all, I wouldn't say conveniently placed, but just the way the whole shape around them. The water sort of turns dog legs like I think of the 14th. And then, of course, you've got 17 uh, with the water is all cover and 18 with the water down the right. And just somehow, maybe it's the Arnold Palmer design. I don't know. But, but the wind is always blowing off the water. So you, you, you don't want to try and turn one against the wind, for argument's sakes, to hold a fairway. So you've got to aim the thing over the penalty area, over the water, and then work it off there. And that's always uncomfortable. And so it's, it, it's you know, it's not St. Andrews. It's not TPC Sawgrass, the stadium course, but it's a really good track. And it's provided some exciting finishes over the last few seasons because it's never in. I mean, the probably the most telling moment that I had over the last two days of broadcast was 18. I mean, it is straight into the wind and the wind is blustery, right? It's not consistent. And any golfer watching this, they will know that, you know, the wind exacerbates if you're into any sort of misstrike and you're playing into the fan on 16 in sort of into quartering on 17, 18 straight into on the tee shot and then across you from your left in 
on the second and, and the third ish. And Tony Finau drives the thing in the water and I'm setting up the layup and Tom Hoagie comes walking past me after he's hidden the fairway and laid up. And it's reachable for all of them in the field on a normal day. And he looks at me and he sort of shakes his head. He goes, have you ever any seen a par five play this hard in your life before? And I was like, no, man. And, and, and I actually used that on the air because he walked past me quite seriously and there was no exaggeration. He's like, this is freaking crazy hard into this wind like this. There's water on the right, fescue on the left, and you've got to try and finish a golf tournament. It, it is the ultimate test in the physical gifts and, of course, your mental acumen. Yeah, only four years of history for this event at this golf course, and it is uh, certainly been a lot of fun. Normally, Mark, we would start with the winner. However, when a Sunday like this plays out like we had today, I think going a little bit more chronologically mm -hmm. makes sense. Uh, it was Scott Piercy who entered the day four shots clear of his next closest chaser. It was Scott Piercy who was looking for his fifth career PGA Tour victory. It was Scott Piercy who we thought maybe all the drama already occurred on Saturday, Mark, when he was uh, full on in blister gate and he was walking with one shoe for the entirety of the day. And when he got off to a solid start, Rolls in a long birdie putt on number six. I'm starting to think, okay, he's he's got the pace on the greens. It, it looks like it's going to be a, a victory here for Scott Piercy. Yeah, you know, it sucks. Uh, it, it sucks for Scott. It sucks for any golf fans. It, it's just hard to be around. And, and on the, the trip back to the hotel, we've got like a 30-minute commute. I touched base with Dottie Pepper, who had his group, and she was like, it's just you feel kind of – dirty when you're done you know after having worked that sort of thing because there's nothing you can do and this poor golfer whoever it might be we've all been there is stuck on this island and there's no way you can hide and when you're in the final group there's absolutely no way you can hide because there's cameras everywhere all the fans are out there and by the way the fans in minnesota turned out on mass this afternoon it was lots of fun and but as i looked at it you know scott has always been a great ball striker but here's the thing and I'm talking golf instructor now. And this is beyond the statistics. So so humor me here, please, Rick. I suppose. Okay, yeah. So when you're making a golf swing change, there's an element of like everything's going right, like we saw him. He couldn't put a foot wrong, right? But as soon as you apply pressure and as soon as something turns, and yes, the thing as a golfer, you know, especially if you've played so well for 54 holes, that something's got to give. There's going to be that little stretch of golf that you have to somehow survive. But when you're surviving and you're trying to do something that you haven't done for, I don't know, six months, a year, two years, whatever the case might be, it's new. And now you're feeling uncomfortable because of the pressure. Things are going wrong. And then you're looking at the board. You're like, well, I was five ahead and now I'm 33 ahead. And oh my goodness, there's Finau in front and there's Hoagie and there's noise. And then I'm battling my golf swing. And then you add to that this freaking cross-quarterly breeze on all those holes, 14, uh, 15, 12-ish to a certain extent, that is just uncomfortable for a right-hander because if you're feeling kind of stuck and the wind's over your shoulder like this, it, you just exacerbates a wide right miss, which we saw uh, Piercy there on 14, plug one in the fairway bunker. So from, from a teacher's point of view, I hate to say I saw it coming, but you knew there was going to be some hard times. 
And then you also knew coming down the stretch then that with a left to right wind, penalty areas down the left-hand side on a couple of those holes, that was just going to be uncomfortable. And sadly, you know, 14 tripped him up. Um, it, it was uh, it, it was just horrid to watch. I, I felt sick for him. Um but that's golf, you know. Everyone, every shot makes someone happy, and every shot makes someone sad. And and for PSC to have to deal with that, this one, I think, this is just my opinion. Don't shoot me down on social media. This will be harder to swallow for Piercy than what Rory's won last week at the Open will be, because Rory was roundly outplayed coming right. down the stretch. Piercy kind of he had this thing in both hands. He had both hands on the trophy on. Dottie actually, I remember her saying that when he made a birdie putt on 12. She goes, this will go a long way to making the last few holes a whole lot more comfortable, which it did. But, you know, it's never finished. And, Played the first. Uh, oh, sorry, Mark. No, no, no. So, so it, was, it, it, was, it was horrible. I felt for him. It, it, you hate to be a golfer in that place. And as me, as a lover of golf and a guy who knows these people, it's just not nice to watch a person struggle coming in like that. Played the first 12 at even par. Would have loved to play the final six at even par. He did not. Made bogey on 13, triple on 14. We'll talk about that one. Another bogey on 15. He got one back at 16 and gave one back. Uh, another bogey on 17. Mark, you look at 14. That was That's the turning point, right? That's where he makes triple on the par four. He gets unlucky by driving it into the fairway bunker, and it plugs. He advances it still within that same bunker, and then he hits the real disaster shot, which is yanking it left into the water. Uh, because of where it crossed, he was really only able to advance it. Shotlink has it about 40 yards, 50 yards or mm -hmm. so, uh, and he would go on to make a triple there, and that's when the dust settled. Tony Finau found a scoreboard and realized he was at first. <laughs> Yeah, and this is where I must uh, give credit to my – I'm her ring, her wingman. That's what I call myself. Dottie is a pro. You know, she's won major championships. She's called golf since Moby Dick was a minnow, and she knows her stuff. And I – she made the quip where she was like, you know, everything for Piercy had been new. New instructor, new putter, new caddy. It was just a cleaned house a few weeks ago. And she said early in the round when he might have bogeyed nine or whatever, or 10, maybe there was two in a row. I remember her saying, this is where it gets hard because Micah Fugit, who's on his bag, he's new on this thing. He doesn't know what goes, what Piercy's like when stuff goes wrong. He's just seen stuff going right. So he didn't know how to handle his guy. So then when you're standing on 14T there and stuff is melting down a little bit, I mean, Piercy's just made bogey there on 13. Um that bunker through the fairway at the 260 range, you, you shouldn't be pulling a club that's going to get to that thing, let alone the ones beyond there that were in the, like the three, 290, 300-yard range. So if Micah had more experience with Scott's bag, he goes, pal, you're hitting three iron off the tee here, and we're going in with six iron or seven iron, but you're making four, option five, you've got the lead. But this was all new for him too. So he couldn't step in and go, yo, Scott, I, don't, I think that's the wrong club off the tee. Because hitting it in that first bunker there is the cardinal sin. Uh, that, that shot, that fairway, the way it sits to you is sort of tilting from right to left. And the mistake you make is in the sand. Um, 
obviously you don't want to hit in the water. So you're aiming right, but you can aim at those bunkers and you pick one and you just try and pick a club that doesn't get there. If you're brave enough, you take it more left and go to through bunkers. Uh, I don't know what he was trying to do. I don't know. But driving in those bunkers at that stage of the game, that was the mistake. And I think a lot of that might have been just a new relationship. He's battling his swing a little bit. It's all new. Mike is not sure maybe what to say. Now, I don't know this for sure. I'm I'm speculating. So don't scare me. Um, so there's a whole lot going on. There's more than just the X's and the O's of it at that stage. And, and sadly, it didn't work out. Yeah, things started spinning real fast there for Piercy. He would end up coming in in 41, 5 over 76 for his final round. That's a 10-shot difference from his Saturday 66. It's a million dollars difference from T4 to first. But Mark, uh, while Scott Piercy was probably eyeing up a bunch of FedEx Cup points, trying to make a run with only two uh, regular season events to go, He's he's currently in. He's going to be 112, but he was probably hoping to be a lot deeper uh, than that. We showed a graphic when he was on the 12th where he was projected like 45th yeah. or something. I mean, then you're running at the Tour Championship, and if you're in the Tour Championship, the final 30, you're getting in all the majors, you're getting the players, you're getting in all the invitationals. I mean, you have you are set for the following year. Now all of a sudden he's 112, so yeah, I think he's good for the first event in Memphis, but you sort of having to play your way through, which is doable. I remember back in the day, I watched Morgan Hoffman do it as he played his way through um, Deutsche Bank, Cherry Hills at the BMW and into the Tour Championship. But it's hard to do. So, yeah, it, it, it there was a whole lot of stuff that came apart for, the, for Piercy there over the last few holes. The benefactor won Tony Finau. Now, Mark, we've often... Uh, uh, bemoan some Sundays from Tony Finau, right? He's always in the mix. Uh, you guys, Kyle, Kyle, Kyle Porter, I wish he was more inconsistent and, you know, he'd make more birdies. I'm like, whatever, man, please. Uh, yeah, okay, stop. I'll stop. Well, those round four scoring averages, the metrics, all fairly good. I, I argue Tony Finau has been quite unlucky in round fours uh, on final days that have not led to a lot of victories. Um I think this one, this one, this one fell for him, right? Scott Piercy comes back to the field. Uh, he bangs the grandstand on 17 and the ball stays dry. He's able to get wet on 18 and not have it uh, be entirely detrimental. But th th this final round 67 had a little bit of everything. Well, I want to go back to what he did Saturday afternoon. I, I, I didn't watch your guys recap, but, you know, after that long delay, he came out there and the weather was good and, he put together the easiest back nine of 32, I think it was, um, making nothing. I mean, I actually joked with Baker Finch on 14 that the only putt that uh, Tony had made was that thing off the toe of his putter from in the rough on the ninth for par. Right. right. Um, and he had he hit the ball in position and never made a putt. And I was like, oh, here we go. This is sort of Tony. Going to flush it, going to flush it, going to finish fifth. Going to flush it. He's going to make a run, not finish the thing off. But all of a sudden, man, he found this gear here coming down the stretch, and he made every putt he had to. And, and there was a telling time there when we came on the air where it was on 11. He said it just bashed a drive down there. And he said lob wedge, I think it was, to about 15 feet, right under the flag, easy read, the putt that any consistent tournament winner makes. Mm -hmm. And Finchie is on there, and Baker Finch that is, and he's talking about – 
uh, Tony being relaxed and he's been with the kids and they, they're fishing all every afternoon, hunting for worms and stuff. And I, I, I get a few seconds and I come in and go, I'm like, well, he's fishing for a birdie here and this is like a must make. And he buries the thing. And when he made that, I was like, mm, yeah, we are. But then he doesn't make a birdie on the five, the 12th hole, which, you know, he, he had a, a good look there, but he left the putt short. And I was like, oh, yeah, we are. And then when he made that birdie on 14, which was perfectly constructed, he went with four iron off the tee there to keep the bunkers out of play. And hit nine iron from like 170. Just, a, just an exquisite shot to about 15 feet. Made the sliding left to righter, which was difficult. And then I was like, yeah, we are. And all of a sudden, he's in front. And then he makes that bomb on 15. And he, he sort of squibbed his way in a little bit. But he looked like a tournament winner. And the observation I made to Nick Fowler on 18, um, as he was sort of going through the, 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 the closing off of the event, I was like, I was struck for these last 18 holes I watched him play, how he had this, this ethereal calm about him. And he looked more at peace with himself than when I've ever seen him play before. He's always had the gifts, but he had the emotional control and the mindset and everything going on for him. And it was just, it was a masterclass by Finau. And I think he's, my, I'm going to say it here. I think he's found his holy grail. I really do. I think he's found what he's got to do to make tournament, uh, to, to win tournaments consistently. And he, I know he's got to make a few more putts because this one fell his way. Maybe if someone else had the lead, they're finishing. So this one went in his direction. But I think he knows who he is now. And he knows how to get by his his bad patches, and and so uh, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, what the, the 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 conceivable future holds for Tony Fino. Okay, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because I want to mine into that. We'll add another voice here to the conversation. Greg Ducharme is here. Greg, good to see you. Good to see you too, boys. Um, I'm sorry I'm a little late, but what a tournament that was, man. I mean, this thing it it was it completely flipped on his head. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was thinking about this on my way over here. This is why we play 72 holes because a lot can happen. And whether it's the last, you know, the last nine or, or the last day in total. But I mean, this one was really the last nine holes. It flipped on its head. And Tony fee. Now the other really interesting thing to me, Rick, just looking at Scott Piercy versus Tony fee. Now Scott Piercy was filling it up on the greens. And when he, his ball striking wasn't up to the level of Tony Finau's. And when all of a sudden the, the wind start pick, starts picking up on Sunday, the misses for Piercy that were on the green 30 feet leading to a birdie or, uh, you know, just in the rough in the fairway it started to get bad. And that can happen. But, but for Tony Finau, who's hitting the ball so well, he was able to handle that wind and handle uh, the, the difficulty of the conditions better than Scott Piercy. Uh, and, and I know there's pressure. I know there's a lot of that stuff, but the guy that came into the day, the best in the field strokes gain T to green ends up winning. Uh, and, and it just, it took a long time for that putter to get hot. And that's why it ends up being so, uh, so dramatic. Well, uh, Greg, I'll throw this right back to you here. Cause Mark was making some really great points and things that we have talked about, like on Mondays, when we look at kind of the advanced metrics, like th this was brewing for Tony Finau. Right. I mean, he's oh, yeah. striking numbers have been phenomenal. The putter had been much better. A couple of close calls in the mix like this. This had been trending. 
Yes, it absolutely had. Um, and he was a guy on this Monday that I really liked. And I said that he was the the best player in this field. Um, and and he was. But that doesn't always mean that you're going to win. But what, what Tony had going on, uh, especially with his iron play coming in, I think it was, I'm pulling it up right now, but I think it was six of eight straight. Um, oh, it, it's even better than that. One, two, three. Yeah, it, it's seven of seven of eight, seven of eight straight events where he gained strokes approaching the green. Um, and it's, it's a good number four, five, five of seven on the greens. Right. And so, right. So this is a, this is a player who's trending in the right direction. Um, and he, he checked all the boxes coming into the week and he played, it, it played out the way that he wanted to. I mean, look, Scott Piercy through 54 holes was an outlier. It, it was, an unbelievable putting performance by him through the first three rounds. I mean, unbelievable. And sometimes that lasts all four rounds. That can happen. But if you're Tony Finau, you you can look at this and say, even if I didn't win, I played great golf. I did all the things I've been doing. And I outplayed pretty much everybody in this field. And as it turns out, Scott Pierce, it didn't go the way it uh, was expected for Scott Piercy. But um, I, I think the best player in this field ended up winning. Uh, Mark, he, I, I mentioned it, but he uh, he bangs one into the grandstand on 17. I was positive that ball was going in the water. And it just <laughs> slammed on the e-brake um, right on the line, which, by the way, as was pointed out on the, on the broadcast, that's a yellow line. You don't get to drop it up there, right? He would have had to have. Is there a drop zone or would he have to retee that if that goes? If that goes yeah, in? there was a drop zone at about 110 yards, I think it was. Um, but the way it shook out, he's just made um, a beautiful birdie there on uh, 16, where he's gotten it up and down from not an easy spot. Um, tight lie, had to land the ball on like a crown, have it spin and release down a hill, and he played it just perfectly. Um, a shot that Tony Finau normally wouldn't hit very well. And then made the putt, which was the crucial conversion, which gave him the comfortable lead. And then when I was on the tee there and it was playing, I can't can't recall. I don't have my yardage book close, but let's call it like 180 yards, right? Into the wind. It's downhill five into the wind. Oh, good, 15. Um, And I get a signal from my spotter, Greg, and he gives me one finger, which means it's six iron. And I'm like, I, I double took. And I said, you sure? Because six iron for Tony from that range is ample. <laughs> and so he goes and he nods and he goes, six iron. So Tony hits this thing and I'm expecting like a cutoff follow through and he gives it the full unwind. And we, I lose the ball in the sun because it's into the setting sun and he does too. And then I hear the crowds go bananas and I don't know where this thing is, right? And I look at my monitor and I see the ball sort of running backwards towards where the yellow line was. And I'm like, what on, in my head, I'm like, what on earth is happening? And he doesn't know either. So we're walking ahead and we go to break. And then I hear Baker Finch talking about the yellow line and stuff like this. And Tony's looking at me going, is it safe? Is it safe? And I'm like, yeah, I think it is. I'm getting the word that we're up there. And he goes, where is it? And I'm like, I'm hearing it's like right on the yellow line. And he walks up to me and he goes, Jeez, man, I thought I hit your guy's cameraman over there when I took when the thing took off, it just went crazy. And it was one of those things where it was fortunate that it didn't go in the water. But he sort of did the right thing in pulling extra club. 
he sort of pulled one a little bit and it got on the wind, which was the wrong thing to do. But there's so many ramifications that are going on when you're on the 71st hole. There's crosswinds blowing, gusting and stuff. You're unsure. You don't want to hit it in, the, in kingdom come there in the water. The bunker's on the right and that's not the best place ever. So he did the right thing and just juiced one with the adrenaline and it went through the wind. So it, it was all very odd. And yes, it turned out great. And your observation about the luck is a big deal because things have to, they sort of have to run your way if you want to win. Uh, there's never going to be a time anyone has ever won a four round tournament, not those 54 hole things, but the, the real four round tournaments. That's, where, by the way, that's, by the way, the second reference, one from each yeah. of you about how 54 hole tournaments are not real tournaments. <laughs> 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 there's there's, there's going to be a time or two or probably even three where you've gotten a break. And um, those sort of have to happen. Now, you speak to Gary Player and he'll say, well, winners make their breaks. And the more I practice, the luckier I get and stuff like that. You know, there is merit to that argument. But things have to roll your way. Any any gambler, you know, Rick, you live in Vegas, who goes on a run, there's one or two cards that fall their way. And then they can capitalize on that. And that's what Finau did. The breaks that he got, he took advantage of. Now, Fina 1.0, he would get a break and not necessarily take advantage of it, but he did that today. And then just to sort of put a bow on that conversation, he's got he's what's leading by four going to 18. And right. the, fact, then the fact that he pulled driver, when I saw this club come out the bag, I was like, jeez. And in my head, I'm thinking Sahith Thigala on the final hole at Travelers, who I was also covering. And I set it up, and I'm giving a number through the fairway on the left where I saw Percy and Grillo hit the thing. And I actually said this to Nick. I'm like, it's 300 through the fairway. I'm not that sure why he's hitting driver. And Nick built on that, a fellow that is. And then he hits driver, and the thing's down the right. And I'm like, that thing's got one destination. And it was so curious to me that he's got this unreal break on 17, makes an unreal four. He walks off the green, right? And I laugh because I'm standing there, I'm smiling at him, and he goes, and he goes, three. I'm like, yeah, you, could, you just made three because that's the break. Then he goes and drives in the water on 18. And I was like, oh, my goodness, no. But it worked out because his lead was big enough. Suffice to say that he cannot do that in another event if he wants to win the really big stuff where you're going to have, I don't know, these guys whose names rhyme with Thomas and McElroy and all those folks right on your tail. Uh, yeah, if you told me that Tony Finau would make bogey on 18 in contention and still win, I'd be I'd be pretty surprised. Greg, count them up. One, two, three victories now on the resume for Tony Finau. He had to wait a very long time between wins number one, win number one, and win number two, like five and a half years. Uh, win two and win three, much closer together, about 11 months or so. Uh, are we going to see Tony Finau? A little bit more confidence. Getting he's always he's always in the mix. Maybe now he goes on a little bit of a, a little lucky streak. Things start falling his way. He starts piling these up. Well, as much as he's been in contention through his career, I, I would not be surprised if the law of averages came into effect here, right? And and that's how I would look at it if he went on a run uh, and and continued to rattle off wins. Like the the guy puts himself there constantly, all the time, and at some point. I mean, he, he's also, he's very good on Sundays. He's a good close. This year, he's at least entering the week. He was third in round four scoring average. 34th in round three scoring average. He's, he's a, bagging on him just about six months ago, and I couldn't play on Sundays. What's happened? 
don't. Uh, well, you know, well, no, that he in the moments when he had a, opportunities to win, he would fall apart, uh, or or he would, or something would go wrong for him. It just seemed like something always went wrong. Something went wrong here too. In the, this week, we just had a big enough lead to show for it. But I guess here's my point, Mark. The, after that win at the Northern Trust, his Sunday performance changed, uh, and and all of a sudden he's started to play better on Sunday. Tell now, most tell me what's, what's that? Tell me what's different, Greg. You, I, I respect your golfing uh, savvy. Tell yeah, me I I would think that it's confidence. One, uh, I think that's a big part of it. Two, I think he hasn't quite been in contention on Sundays as much. So there's been a number of backdoor top finishes, if I'm you will. Gonna, I'm going to give you one more chance. And three is? Uh, he's putting better on Sunday. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. He's putting better. On, he's putting better in general, mm-hmm. especially recently. Um, and so it, it's occasionally like this week, it took a long time for the putter to get hot. But he has finally his good putting day is on Sunday. He's second in the field in strokes game putting on Sunday. Well, so that, that makes a big difference. But that's the point that when you guys talk about, you know, the ball strikers have the advantage. This is the truth because they will last for longer, but they will not win if they do not make putts at the crucial times. They'll be around because they will keep themselves in the game. Like to me, great ball striking will get you somewhere from 72 to 70 ish score wise on a par 72. You turn those numbers low by making some putts. And then you make everything inside of six, seven feet on a day, you shoot 68-ish, 67. Then you make a few bombs like you did today. All of a sudden, that becomes, you know, the 67s and below kind of thing. And the difference with Finau now, Finau now, that's bad. With Finau, (laughs) um, um, I got a bit of a stutter there, is that he's now making this sort of stuff on Sunday afternoon when they hand out checks. And I will, I will. I will stay on this hill. I will battle on this mountain until my dying day arrives. That I promise well, you. Um, well, Mark, first of all, I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue that with you. Um, I, and I think that's the entire theory with my entire theory. Anyway, with putting is that putting matters more and more and more, the more zoomed in you look, right. Putting matters in the moments mm-hmm. and it, it doesn't matter what you rank for the year. What does matter is when you have a, six foot putt to stay within one or tie the lead or win or can you make it? And that's when everything is on the line. And that's why I would say confidence is the first is the first ingredient for Fina. What's made the difference. He's improved his putting, but I think he believes now that he can make it. Yeah. Whereas before I think he wondered if he could make it. And he uh, said that to Amanda Balionis in Canada where he was making a run out in front of Rory and them, and he made a big putt in the last to post something. And she interviewed him. She came to us in the break. Um, you guys wouldn't have heard it. And she reminded um, Nance and Felder of the fact, she goes, she goes, I remember Tony telling me that putt he made on the last proved to him that he can make putts when it matters. And that's a big deal for him closing now. I like that. Uh, Tony Finau adds his third PGA Tour victory to the resume and will now move up to, let's see, 17th in the FedEx Cup standings. And we'll check his OWGR tomorrow morning. But gentlemen, we got more to talk about and we've got our best bets and one and done update coming up. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. And we're back. 
Uh, Jacob has that next week is Live Golf Bedminster. I don't think we have any link lingering storylines here. We talked about it. Stenson's gone. CH3. Who was Faraday's the third? Gone. Yeah, Faraday, Kokrak. And uh, I think, I think, Mark, I don't know if you've seen it. The Rocket Mortgage field, I think, is a lot stronger than people would have assumed it was. Um, where I think Live as intentionally tried to pick on what they think some of the weaker fields are going to be and go opposite. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I saw the rocket mortgage field, I was like, okay, that that's, that's, that's better, way better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. In our green room before the show this morning, we got advanced notice of who's in the field and there were collective grins from all of us announced crew because look, it's Detroit is a great city. There's a lot of folks doing a lot to try and resuscitate it because it was, think of Detroit in the glory years, right? With Ford and all the automobile companies and stuff. And then, and and there's so many great teams that have come from there. And that golf course, to me, the Donald Ross is just beautiful. You know, look, time may have forgotten it a bit with its length. But you can, if that place plays firm and fast with the slopey greens, the Donald Ross place, you won't push it over. And last year it was exciting with Joaquin Neiman and, uh, and Cam Davis and, uh, of course, Troy Merritt in position over there. So it's when we heard of the quality of the field, we were all very excited because we didn't obviously want it to be someplace where it was a less than stellar field competing against those other crowd up there in New Jersey or wherever they are. Uh, to name a few here, Greg, Patrick Cantlay, Max Homa, Adam Scott, Jason Day, Webb Simpson, Tony Finau. Uh, oh, these are listed in alphabetical order. I was wondering what order this was. Will Zalatoris mm-hmm. is in the field. Couple Cam of young Young, guys. Cam, young uh, Cam Davis to defend. Chris Goddard, Cole Hammer, representing some of the younger guys. Then we got some of our favorites like Mad McNeely. And, uh, where's, where's, where's Joaquin Neiman? Is Neiman there? I don't think he's there. I was it. looking through it this morning. I don't think he's there. He's not. Through but, that. Uh, but that is Sahith's in the field. Yep. It'll be fun. fun. Yeah. It's a really, it's a strong field. Um, and, and I'm excited to see how it plays out. My research on what it takes to win there will be coming up here shortly. Um, I haven't started that yet, but I think my own eye test, um, distance is a real big advantage here. Uh, and I, and I think you got to, kind of fill it up on the greens as well. So I'm really looking forward to this week. There's a lot of, there's a lot of players, which the same is true this week, but a lot of players who are trending in the right direction, whether or not, you know, their names or not is a different story. But, um, but this week you're going to, you're going to know some more of the names. Not one Mark, but two different major championships in our game this week. Brooke Henderson adds her second major championship to her resume winning the Evian and Darren Clark becomes, I don't have the exact number. I read it earlier today, but the very short list of golfers who have won the open championship Fourth. and senior open Four. thank you. Greg. <laughs> yeah. Four. I guarantee you, uh, wherever they are, <laughs> there is some Guinness being consumed right now <laughs> because you think, uh, Shane Larry can party. Well, Darren Clark is the godfather of the post round party and uh, i'm he's so popular he's the kind of guy that everyone would be in there celebrating with him and he would invite folks and you uh, i remember when clark is in the field when i used to be in europe and he played well you just wanted to be around because he he just 
incorporates everybody and everyone just has a good time. So uh, I was happy to see him win. You know, he's worked hard on his game. I know that of late. And of course, Brooke, I mean, to, to, to make a putt on the last hole to win a tournament is cool. To do that in a major championship just elevates that to the stratosphere. And, and I'm so happy for her because I met her when she was an amateur playing in an event called the Spirit International down in South Texas. And she was charming and just a great player. And I I just, I had an affinity to her right away. And so I've kept tabs of what she did. And I'm so happy for her that she could get by a bad day today, sort of keep herself in it and give herself a chance, which she took. I mean, think about that. You get one chance to win this thing. Because if it goes to a playoff, she might not. And she just gets up there and buries that thing. Uh, that that speaks to just who she is. And, and so I'm jacked for both of them. The Evian, Greg, was a log jam. They were like seven wide at one point. Brooke Henderson comes out on top. And uh, you've, you've got all my factoids uh, in order here. I thought I read that she is now the first Canadian man or woman to be a multiple-time major champion. That's true. Yes. Uh, which is very cool now with her second major. Um, others, well, I know obviously Mike Weir won the masters. I'm not sure there's another, that's the only one I could think of. Yeah, I think that's it. I think that might be it. And I'm not, I'm not as sure on that. There may be another, uh, female Canadian who's won, but, but definitely the first to win two, which is really cool. Um, she made a big putt on six on 16 as well, lipped it in and took advantage of the par five 18th, but she played it as a three shotter. Um, so that was, that was kind of a cool way to see her make birdie at the 18th, but boy, that that was really clutch. And Sophia Schubert was awesome too. As a rookie, she, she made a charge. I would, I would have guessed Nellie Corda would have made a charge and I am not the only one who's, uh, who's guessing that heading into Sunday, but Sophia Schubert was just so fun to watch, um, which was really cool. The three Canadian Major championship winners, Brooke Henderson, Mike Weir, Sandra Post, who yeah, won okay. 1968 LPGA championship. So three, and then Brooke becomes the first multi-time. I've, yeah. I've got to get, my, you must be expensive as hell, but I've got to get you as a researcher, man. You come up with stuff that is, you, you would make me such a good announcer. Gee whiz, uh, that's incredible. Good stuff there. Bravo. And you're right. I'm very expensive, but I'll be happy to do <laughs> Pro bono for you, Mark. Anything you need. Oh, interesting. Uh, I only got one final thing to do, gents. It's our one and done update. And we're going to do that. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. And we're back. Okay. I'm going to try to do this like Jacob does, where I'm going to share my screen. Give me three seconds to figure this out. Three, two. I didn't. Even oh, you did it. I didn't, I didn't even need all three seconds. All right. Here we go. The one and done update. Not a lot of money going around. Let me tell you that. Sia Najad, uh, along with you, Greg, had yes. Davis. That's the win of the week. 103,313. I will note, I'm going to call these unofficial numbers, and I'll let Jacob add these up. I'm pretty sure about these, but he might tweak them a couple bucks in, any, in, in either direction. Either way, Cam Davis was the big winner. Yes, and um, well, I think really I'm the big winner. Um, because I've overcome the, and maybe Cam Davis has done it too, but, uh, th- we've overcome the sea of mush. So uh, that has actually think, moved you over coach too, it's which is just coach. awesome. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I'm fired up about it. 
Look, it's a great. This is a great spot for Cam Davis, and I think he's playing some really good golf. And next week he goes in as a defending champ. I mean, yeah. maybe I picked him a week early. Um, uh, but it, might have. <laughs> yeah, I might have. Yes, because he's playing really good. Yeah, and we've already had a couple guys defend this year. He might be. He might be another one. So, Sia Najad thought he was going to take over Kyle, who had Marty Fish for this week because he didn't put a pick in, so we gave him Marty Fish. Uh, see it's still six thousand dollars short six grand that's like that's like nothing six grand that's that's wow um that's how close it is now at the bottom greg surpasses coach by about a hundred thousand a lot of zeros myself sahit kyle as mentioned marty fish adam svensson for jacob and the fans the fans who were on a run took a big zero with davis riley coach got sixteen thousand from nick hardy but Mark, you remain at the top, uh, essentially unchallenged at the 3M Open with $31,000 from Adam Hadwin. Uh, I'd mentioned on Tuesday that, that this was a week for me where I just wanted to get by sort of unscathed and, and to pick up a little ground on the fans and on Jacob and on Nick Hardy with 31000 That's a win in my book. And uh, if Neiman doesn't play next week, you know, there's one. Uh, there's a certain Australian who... Uh, I might just slide in there. He played pretty nicely this week. So we'll, uh, I think, I think we're in good shape as we lead into the stretch run here. That's Cam uh, Davis he's referring to. <laughs> yeah. It, it seems like the goal now is just to get on. Like for me, I'm looking at this, get on the podium. Okay. Wait, uh, I, I need to say something. All right. Joseph Bosa, Joey, whoever you are, you're right. He was lucky that Adam Hadwin made the cut. <laughs> Come on, man. Jeez, where are you sucking the stuff out of? Goodness gracious me. <laughs> it's not often you get Mark Abelman to ask you where you're sucking something out of. That's- <laughs> I mean, uh, look, I don't look at the comments very often, but some some reason I clicked on them and they're open. Joseph, I appreciate your uh, candor there, but sorry, buddy. You, you're, you're missing the boat in a big way there. Uh, I had Maverick McNeely in a, like a sizable one and done, and he missed a three footer for par on 17 and then made a nine on 18 and cost me like $150,000 cost himself that too. But I'm feeling it, Maverick. I'm feeling it. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, gentlemen, anything else before we get out of here? Uh, we talked about the importance of 72 holes. Right. <laughs> Do you want to rehash it? Uh, so that's good. We talked about one and done. Yeah. Uh, we are. I think we're in really good shape. I'm just so happy for Tony Finau. Uh, it, it was no fun for Scott Piercy. I wish it happened a different way, but I'm so happy for Tony. And 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 I I I, I must I must be a wingman on that call. There, eh? look. 54 holes for me as I used to be a college coach. That's a college event. And one of the big jumps from being a decent college player to being a professional is, um, is one just rank cranking up your game in a big way, getting used to kind of living on the road by yourself, not having people do stuff for you. And then certainly playing 72 holes because for the longest time, 72 holes is determined a champion. And on the PGA Tour, if you uh, if the event's not at least 36, it's not official. You'll get the money, but you don't get all the points and the exemptions and stuff like that. And, and 54 holes, you're the 54-hole leader. And I can point out through the history of the game, thousands of great golfers who had a 54-hole lead 
that didn't have a major championship to their record or whatever the case might be. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out, uh, Greg, because it, it is important. I thought Greg was coming with the Greg Norman can't finish. No, I'm not going I, that I, far. I just to, That's why. Okay. Um, no. I have some news, by the way. Oh. I shot a 77 today. That's my best. Oh, one. I saw that, Rick. Oh, that bravo, brother. Yes. <laughs> were you were you hitting draws out there? Uh no, but they were straight, which is just fine. Okay. You know, I'm thinking draw, right? But they come out straight, but that's okay. I know. All right, good. But but wait, I saw that you hit 12 greens in regulation as opposed to your best was 10 in the years past, right? No, I had I had made 12 pars. I only hit eight greens. So what give, give me the breakdown? How many putts did you make? 31 putts. 31 putts. Oh. No, no three putts. So my my pace was generally very good all day. I, everything was just a knock it dead. I kept the ball in play off the tee. I didn't have any three putts. It's amazing how far that goes when you're not piling up penalty strokes. And yep. I, I flushed a couple of I was I was I was I was on. I was on. I want to say this and then I'll let Greg have it because we're both teachers deep down. <laughs> Here's a way for the listeners to shoot 79. All right. You break your rounds into six holes. On mm -hmm. six holes, I need you to hit the green in regulation and take two putts. On the next six holes, I need you to miss the green in regulation and chip and putt. And on the final six holes, I need you to miss the green in regulation and chip and two putts. If you do that without hitting the ball out of bounds and stuff or losing one, you will shoot 79. It sounds simple, isn't it? I was going to say, it sounds so easy. <laughs> That's what it is. And, and and like with all the high school golfers I work with, if you can el eliminate penalty strokes, um, if you can avoid three putts, and if you can chip and putt every so often, you're going to shoot lower than you've ever shot before. Power off the tee is helpful, but keep the thing in play and chip and putt. You're going to lower your scores in the blink of an eye. Yeah. Um, breaking 80 is a lot different than breaking 70. Yeah. No and that's where, you know, the the distance versus getting it in play to me makes a really big difference. Of mm -hmm. course, there's a tipping point for everything. Um, but, you know, if you're assuming you're playing the right tee boxes, then distance is less important when you're trying to break 80 than accuracy. Uh, so um, I completely agree with you, Mark. And it it's an elimination of the mistakes. So I like to say, if you have a go-to shot where you can get the ball in play, and if you have that, uh, I, like you have a go-to fade, right? you can hit it all day, every day, and you can um, you can keep the ball between the trees. Well, you're going to have great success now. And then when you get on, to the, on and around the greens, you make sure that your first chip finds the green, mm -hmm. and you make sure that you don't three-putt, which yeah. means your focus is on speed. Um, and, and when you start doing that stuff, you will shave strokes and then hey you hit an iron shot flush right at the flag and you stick one and you make a 30 footer and next thing you know the scores can get really low quickly but from just from a very simple game plan you're uh, you're like this greg i had an instructor on my podcast on the mark and he talked about having a second serve tee shot he goes if it's going wrong he goes go to your second serve that one that you get into the court like that. and you get the point started that's the thing. Now, you make a good point, but a lot of golfers, the, the lion's share of golfers don't break 70. You know, that's an elite group. Right. Um, wanting to break 90 and 80 or 85, whatever the case might be. Folks, get your second serve, tee shot into play, and do what Greg said. Your scores will go down. There you go. Maybe and we'll have a podcast. 
I was going to say, we'll have a full-on instruction podcast uh, coming up next week. Uh, all right, Jen, speaking of next week, Rocket Mortgage, DFS preview on Monday, Mega Preview Pod Tuesday, betting uh, final recap on Wednesday, round-by-round podcast after the final putt drops, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the sprint to the finish line for the FedEx Cup playoffs. Mark Immelman is available on Twitter at Mark underscore Immelman. That right there, it's Greg Ducharme. You can find him on Twitter at the Real GFD, and you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time.